Welcome to Sell Like You, the ultimate sales podcast that will teach you how to make sales your superpower, transform your mindset, and in doing so, explode your sales beyond your wildest dreams. I'm Harriet Meller, and over the last 17 years, I've helped hundreds of top companies around the world, including my own, make more money and qualify more leads using simple strategies that work. In this podcast, you'll learn how I generated over 10 million in annual sales, along with the sales techniques, processes, and tools that will work for you to generate more dream-aligned clients and scale your business beyond what you thought was possible. If you're sick of the boring, outdated, and pushy sales tactics of the past, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to another episode on the Sell Like You podcast and today we are with the wonderful Claire and we are here for the Women in Tech Sales segment which we're very excited to have you here Claire. Um, Now Claire and I we've known each other for quite some time in the sales industry, in tech industry especially in Perth is very small Um, and so we have remained connected for quite some time so thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be. You're very welcome. Yes, I know. And you have been in the industry for a long time, Claire. So tell us a little bit about your entrance into the industry, which is always very interesting. So I'm keen to hear your story. I don't think I know it yet. I love telling this story now because as I add the years on, I'm like, "Mm, I think I'm getting old when I start saying, well, it's now been 18 (laughs) years. So, uh, So my history is actually quite interesting especially because what I studied at university has absolutely nothing to do with the job that I do today. So through high school, I'm going to go back that far. Hopefully that's okay, but I'll keep it, I'll keep it quick. Um, I always wanted to be a pilot. So when I was 12, I got taken up into the cockpit um, of a plane when I was traveling as an unaccompanied minor to Australia to go and visit my auntie and uncle. And I thought, my God, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. This is what I want to do. I want to fly planes. So all through high school, I focused on science and maths and all of those good things. I finished school and I went into Massey University in New Zealand in Auckland and I studied aviation. Um, So I did a four-year degree, which was a Bachelor of Aviation, got my commercial pilot's license, um, was off flying all around around New Zealand for a couple of years, uh, finished that and then decided that that was really boring because I don't get to talk to people uh, and you've known me for long enough to know that I really like to talk to people. Uh, So I finished that. I'd been a poor student through university and I ended up just going, right, I just, I need a job. I want to earn some money. Um, I want to stop eating two minute noodles for breakfast. So I ended up landing a job in a call center for an IT distributor at the time called Tech Pacific. Um, They later got bought out by Ingram Micro. You probably know who they are. Um, So over the course of two years in Auckland, I got promoted in that job, I think two or three times. So out of the call center into an inside sales account management role uh, and then eventually into an outbound account management role. Um, So fast forward, so that was, yeah, 2005, I moved to Perth, um, Australia, and started working for another distributor called Express Data at the time, since being bought out by Dicker Data. Um, And again, just really found myself, you know, just finding my feet and succeeding in the role and ended up becoming the sales manager for Western Australia for the Perth branch there. Um, Then after that, came across to Symantec. Um, so this is when Craig Scroggy was running Semantic for Australia and New Zealand. So I ran the channel bet business for Semantic for three years over here. 
And then one morning, and this was uh, Craig had left Symantec, started Next DC, joined as the CEO, and uh, he came over to Perth and had breakfast with me. And he said, "So, so we're building this data center. I know that this cloud thing is going to be huge. I don't have any partners. The data center's not finished yet. So, how about you come uh, and join?" So at that time, Next DC honestly was still a startup. So I was faced with this decision of leaving like, you know, the security of a big vendor and paid health insurance and all of those amazing things um, to come to this kind of unknown entity other than Craig, who is the most inspirational, passionate, smart person you could ever meet. So I rang him back the next day and I said, let's do it. Uh, So that was 10 and a bit years ago and the rest is history and I'm still here today kind of riding the wave and my remit here has just really grown in that time over the years and I now look after from Perth, Perth, Adelaide, Darwin and Queensland. Wow. What? I did not know that about you, about the pilot. I could tell by your face when I was telling you, you were like, oh my God, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. I don't tell I'm people. Like, I really could ask you lots of questions mm. and I didn't know that. Yeah. And I was like, that that makes me, I need to be better at that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the questions, I find out all the information. Um, wow, how amazing. And again, I think it's so interesting because, you know, obviously you and I both, you know, industry, both both in Perth as well, both move from, from other locations to be in Perth. And I find it very interesting. There's always a story. There's, I, I've not met. I'm yet to meet somebody that's gone, I'm going to be in tech sales and that's what I'm going to go and do. And that's what I'm going to learn. And that's how I'm going to get into the industry. And I definitely see more people coming into the industry to get into the tech industry, but not necessarily in tech sales. And I think it's so interesting to show that there is often a different path that we, that, you know, that has been taken or that we take and that it often results in, you know, very similar stories, but actually it takes different pathways and different Um, I guess, really levers to get where we are today. Yeah. And I think that's absolutely right. Because I think, you know, when I look back and when you're 17, like as a person, you don't really know yourself all that well. And so you'll have these ideas about what it is that you maybe want to do. And then I think what I've found through sales is exactly that. It's not as if I sort of stood there at that age and went, oh, I think I want a career in sales. But I started talking to customers, helping to solve problems, building relationships and discovered that that's actually what I'm good at and that's what I, where I draw energy from and that's what I really enjoy. So it's not so much that, yeah, you're sort of putting the flag out saying it's got to be sales or it's got to be tech sales, but it's more about kind of leaning into what you feel are your strengths and what you just enjoy doing, what you enjoy spending your time doing. You've got to love what you do. You spend a lot of time doing it. We sure do, especially in tech sales. <laughs> <laughs> we certainly do spend a lot of time doing it. Um, you know, we, it's, a laugh. <laughs> it's a long day <laughs> um, for sure. Um, and interesting there, obviously. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, for anybody listening, for definitely go and check out Craig because he is an incredible person. Um, but again, you know, obviously your journey has come through, you know, meeting these inspirational people. But what inspired you to get into tech? Like, obviously, you start off in that call center. But what inspired you to keep going? Because call centers are tough. So, yeah. you know, what kind of got you on that journey? Yeah, I mean, I think the, I guess the tech part of it and what I love the most about tech is it not one day, not one week, not one year is ever the same. It's just, it's so rapidly evolving. And when I think back to when I was 
first walk working in that call center. And now I'm going to like, you know, sound old as I am. Uh, and we used to get orders through the fax machine. Um, and that's really only 20 years ago. And then when we think to where we are today with, you know, things like generative AI really just taking off, it sort of feels like we've gone through so much change in 20 years, but yet we're just at the beginning. So it's never the same. It's rapidly evolving. Um, and then I think the sales part of that, it really just came from building relationships because when we would get those calls into the call center, it would often be, you know, the same partners that were calling in. And so you would get to know them and then they would call you and ask you by name. And you sort of thought, oh, I really, I really enjoy this. I really enjoy someone knowing they can come to me and I can, and I can help them out. And it sort of just grew from there. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Um, and so what got you, obviously you worked with, with Craig at, um, at Symantec previously, but was there anybody that you think was really influential prior to that, that got you into that really cemented your, um, your learning, your, your, your desire to stay in the industry? Yeah. I mean, I think there's been honestly so many over the years. I can remember the first person, um, his name was Gary. He was the managing director of Tech Pacific at the time. And I still can remember being offered the account manager role. I remember standing in front of him in his office and him telling me that you've got the role and it pays $44,000 a year. And I was just like, oh my God, what am I going to do with this much money um, after being a poor student? So yeah, so he was really, really influential. And then when I moved to Australia, um, Jeff, who was actually my manager at Symantec, works for NextDC today. He's actually our CIO. He uh, moved out of sales and into IT. And to this day, I'm still trying to get him back into sales, but he keeps saying no. Um, so he was really, really amazing. And then honestly, there's a there's a long list, but Craig, I think, is just at the top of that list for so many reasons um, because not only has he inspired me, but he's believed in me. You know, he's kind of backed me the whole way and he's you know, push me into, into leadership roles where maybe even I didn't feel that I was ready. And so, you know, he's believed in me even at a time where I didn't believe in myself. And, you know, that's probably another really important part of the story to share is what I love even more than selling is managing a team. Um, that's, that's really where I've found my, my place at work is, um, is, is the people management side of it. I love it. It's my passion. Yeah, interesting. Now, in terms of that passion, obviously that that's, takes a unique skill set to to combine with sales because like often, you know, the mistakes that we see in the industry and in other industries, but, but predominantly in sales is that you get somebody that's worked their way up, they've become the top salesperson. They're like, now you're the sales manager. And that, in my opinion, doesn't always work, generally doesn't work because they are your biggest revenue generator. Why would you take them off the floor? Um, but they're also not people you know, they haven't got the right people skills, haven't got the right leadership or the right development. So for you, what do you think it took to go from sales driven by yourself to go out there and do it versus then being a people, you know, creating that, that, that team, that mentality and to help other people do what you've done? It's such a good point. And by the way, I agree with you 100%. Um, and I think in my journey, there's been lots of parts to that lesson. The first one was the first time that I did it, which was when I became the sales manager at Express Data, I was a terrible manager. Um, I wasn't good at it. I didn't know how to make the step from, like you said, being the best salesperson in the team to being a manager, 
there were people in my team at the time that were friends. I wasn't able to sort of, you know, build boundaries between friendships and having and having staff members. So I really learned a lot from just being bad at it the first time and, and kind of coming back to it a few years later with, I guess, just a little bit more maturity under my belt and realizing that as a sales manager, it's not about being on the field. It's not about it's not about promoting yourself. It's actually about empowering your people to be the best versions of themselves. Um, and coaching and managing are just such different things. It's not about telling them what to do. It's about really getting them to a place where they feel like they know what to do, but that you're here to support them. Um, and I think honestly, that's just come with yeah, look, training and time and mentoring, but just honest, I feel mostly just time, just time and experience. I've just got better at it over the years. And look, it's, it's not perfect. I, I never am. I'll still sometimes do things and I just think, oh, I just don't feel like I handled that in the right way. Um, and that's okay because it's about, you know, the, having the awareness around that and using it as a learning opportunity for next time. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it's that learning opportunity that we get so much opportunity to review on in sales. And I always like to say, you know, you either win or you learn. And, you know, there's always so much emphasis on the deal that you lost or the, you know, the pipeline size that you were hoping to achieve. But actually, we learn so much more from the no's, the objections, the ghosting, the the challenge, you know, opportunities. Like I've never, you know, I very rarely celebrate you know, many, many wins along the journey. It's something that I'm certainly trying you to get should. better at. But, <laughs> yeah. when <we> look, <laughs> but when we look at, you know, the ones that, that have taken me two years to get over, they're the ones that I'm like, I'm going for a wine. <laughs> That's taken me, you know, it's taken me two years to get to this point, never, ever give up. Um, but, you know, it's always those ones that, that we really can then reflect upon. And I think of, you know, every conversation, every training, every enablement, every presentation, there's always something, it's never going to be perfect. But there's always something, and I feel as, as salespeople, as good salespeople, and as, as I would say aware salespeople, we can always reflect quite openly on ourselves. And I think that that's a really good trait that I wish more salespeople had to say, actually, that wasn't great. But do you know what? This is what I've learned, and I'm going to take that with me next time. And you know, oh, I could talk about this topic all day because so much of that comes down to <laughs> even things like how you recruit, right, in a team. So, what I look for now in people in my team is not the person that knows the most about data center or I think, you know, is the most capable of selling. Sure, they need to have all of those skills, but um, I hire for culture. I hire for people that align with my values um, and that actually just want to work and operate as a part of a team. Because I think when you sort of create that, those expectations at the outset, then you've just you're in a much better position to be able to do that. And it doesn't always work out, you know, sometimes you think you've got the right person and then you quickly realize, well, you haven't. And you've also got to be able to learn from those decisions and mistakes as well. So from your journey into obviously into tech sales, and there's so many people now that are, that are looking at tech as a, as a career. Again, we mentioned that before that it's not necessarily tech sales, but for somebody that has been recommended to go into technical sales or is looking at it, you mentioned before about you hire around, not about the tech, um, but about the culture and the right fit. But for somebody that's looking or maybe listening to this thinking, I'd love to get into that industry, what would be your, your piece of advice for them coming in? Yeah, I actually get asked this a lot because there are people even internally within NextDC that will sort of come up and talk to me and ask me about sales and ask how they get in and Look, I think um, 
ultimately there are probably a few routes to sort of getting into, I think, a sales role or a sales career. Um, And it just so happens that in my current role, I also look after a team of what's called sales development representatives. So they're a team that really work at sort of the start of the sales cycle, if you like. So inbound lead qualification, a little bit of prospecting and cold calling, um, a bit more junior junior so far as their sales experience goes. Um, but that, you know, that role in particular is just such a good way, in my view, to get into sales um, because it's it's challenging. They are often the first person that a customer or a prospect will speak with. Um, but it's also a role where when we look at bringing people in, we really are looking for those you know, young, ambitious, curious, eager to learn, um, and they're looking to build a pathway into sales. So when I look at that team, um, I have to make sure I'm right about this. Yeah, none of them had really experience in tech sales before going into that role. Um, and they will all, if, you know, we particularly if we keep them on at Next DC, have a pathway in, into the sales team from there. So that's just one example. I'm sure there are others, but that's a really, really good one. And when someone comes to me, that will always be, hey, go and talk to that team, go and understand what it is that they do, how they got into their role and start there. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And, and so from a development perspective, learning perspective, what, um, how have you developed? Like how have you learned over the years? Is there any books, podcasts, people, um, you know, obviously other than Craig, we can actually reference <laughs> Craig in the notes. Yeah. And, um, you know, is there anybody else or anything else or resources that, that, you know, we can reference here that will, that will enable people to go away and have a look and, and do their own research? So many books. Um, I probably couldn't, I mean, but no, there's a couple that I will rattle off. So Good to Great by Jim Collins. My dad sent me a copy of it in the post from New Zealand, I think about five years ago. And just some of those concepts, like just particularly around leadership and about leading from the front and just being a leader that's really, you know, disarming and is seen as a part of the team. Like I feel like I've really taken on like one of those as, as a core value. Um, there's another book that I read earlier this year called Rebel Ideas, um, and that is an exceptional book about diversity. And um, I love diversity as a topic because I think, you know, we've done a really good job focusing on particularly in IT and as a woman in IT and for you as well, you know, upping the things like gender diversity. But this book really looks into cultural diversity, relig- religious diversity, and how do you really foster, you know, a team that has diversity of thought because if I go into a team and everybody thinks the same as I do we just we just don't get anywhere we need to have people with different perspectives and different thoughts and different ideas so those would just be a couple of books that come to my mind um but look ultimately it's about having a plan so inside next DC we have what's called a PDP professional development plan it's up to me to have that plan. I own that plan. Nobody's forcing me to, to do that plan. Do I update it as often as I should? Definitely not. Um, but I just think, you know, everybody's accountable and responsible for their own development. And I just it's a great idea to have goals. And I know this is music to your ears, Harriet, because I know you're very goal, <laughs> goal orientated as well. And that's what's got you to where you are. Um, the other thing I've done more recently, which has been really good, has been some coaching. Um, so I've done some executive coaching with a yeah with a, with a coach, and working with her has really helped me to be a better coach because what I've realised through coaching is 
we're not on these calls with her telling me things. She's what she's actually doing is asking me really, really good questions. Um, when I think back through our calls, it's and so I've t- been able to take some of that on with my team. Um, and when we're working through things, I'm um, yeah, I'm just being more. Cu- I'm being more curious. I'm asking more questions. I'm trying to understand what's going on for them. Yeah, they, there are definitely a few. The I think it's interesting from the question side of things is that often it's very easy to give everybody the answers, especially when we've been doing it for so long. So, you know, someone asks a question, you're like, do this. Someone asks a different question. Oh, hey, I've got a template for that. I've got an example for that. Try that. Whereas actually, if we then turn, if we turn the question back to them and say, okay, great question. What would, like, let's just take your initial thought process on that. Like, you know, what would you do? How would you do it? And it then comes back and you end up having, you end up having the opportunity to think for yourself based on what you already know deep down. And often the answer is within you. You just haven't given yourself a moment to think about it. And then the development comes as you learn and you immerse and you surround yourself with different people. And if you do get stuck or if maybe the coach thinks there's a different way, then it's then saying that is a great way that will get you here. Have you also thought about this way? Because it might still get you to the same point, but it's just a different journey. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that the other really important part about that point is it's about getting the monkey off your back, right? So, you know, as you scale up and your team grows, if you've got a team, it's sort of, you know, like I'm a parent as well. And it's like when your children come to you, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? It just, you just create a habit around it and it's not scalable. So you need to get the monkey mm-hmm. off your back and, you know, get the team thinking for themselves, get them upskilling and also equally and importantly know that you're there as a sounding board, you're there to support, you're there to escalate um, if things get stuck, but that ex- exactly as you say, it has to start with them and their thought process. And um, Do you think um, from a skills perspective then for somebody coming into the industry, obviously you had varied <laughs> skills uh, from being a plane planes, yeah. and, you know, going- when it comes to, you know, the skill set, and again, you, you highlighted the fact that you like to solve problems, you like to build relationships, and you notice your energy around that. For somebody that, you know, has some of those, um, you know, wants or desires or knows that, that, they, that they enjoy those types of interactions, what do you think would be the number one skill for somebody that's in that, that knows that that lights them up to go away and hone or to develop further? as part of a sales step? Number one for me is active listening. Just listen actively. And I know you're giggling because you know, you, you know when you meet with people and it's just so obvious to you that they're not listening to you, it's just so you just disengage straight away. So be interested, be curious and practice active listening because it sounds so one-on-one. It sounds like, well, with that's easy. You just listen. But it's an active process. It's not passive. And for me, that means like before I jumped on this, I was like, I have to put my teams on Do Not Disturb. I have to put my phone on silent because I just, it, it will distract me. Um, so, yeah, listen actively, be interested, be curious um, and ask questions. Seek, seek to understand. Yeah, great. That's great advice. And it's interesting with the active listening. I'm, I'm reading uh, at the moment Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. I love Simon Sinek. I need to send you a YouTube you episode. No, but I've just been obsessively watching some of his YouTube things lately. So I have to send you some links. Yeah, he's very good. Yes, definitely send me the links. Um, but the book I'm really enjoying because I've enjoyed his other books. 
Um, and this one, and last night I was listening and I actually read it out to my partner because I was like, this is what you don't do. Um, so he's not a very good active listener. I don't think, I mean, actually, I'm not going to say what I was about to say. I was saying, I don't think many men are, but actually a lot of men are. It just happens, that happens that my partner's not so active in the listening. And he can repeat back to me what it is that I've said. I was like, that's very two very different things. And so when in the book, he talks about active listening and he talks about being and having your energy in the place that you are. And he gave the example of parents going to watch football than play soccer or, you know, again, American version. And he then, and he said, you know, parents that go, but are buried in their emails doing work. And when someone cheers, they're like, way, you know, in a way they go and then they go back to it. When the kid looks over, they're buried in their email. So therefore nobody wins. The parent has got stuff to do. And if they could put all of their energy into finishing the job, whatever the thing is on their phone, then they would get that done quicker. And then they could then be present at the, you know, at the soccer game, whatever. And then they translated that back into a work environment is that if we're having a conversation, but yet my phone's dinging and every time we're having a conversation, I'm looking down at my phone you don't feel engaged to me in any way, shape or form. And my energy isn't here and I'm not respecting your time. And so again, I think that that's a, it's really obviously very, very relevant at the moment, but I think it's something that doesn't matter how busy you are, doesn't matter who you're speaking to, be present, be in the moment and listen because you will learn so much more. And that's, I guess, a top tip for someone that's new coming into the industry or for anyone that's listening that is in the industry and wants to improve do that. And I reckon you'll see a huge difference within a few weeks. I completely agree with you. And I think the other just such important part of that is we're not always available, right? So there's no such thing as multitasking. So if somebody in my team comes to me and I'm buried in a spreadsheet or I'm doing something rather than half-heartedly try and listen to what he's asking me, it will be I'm really interested in what you have to say and I want to help, but I need to come and talk to you in 10 minutes. So it's also about setting boundaries and learning to say no. Um, You know, there's, you would be the same, there's endless meeting requests, there's endless come to this event, come to that. We cannot say yes to everything. Yeah, again, you know, great examples there. Um, Is there anything you want to share for somebody that is listening to this, that's thinking about getting in? Is there anything that you want to add to all of the wisdom that you've just shared or your experiences, anything for them, any key takeaways? Oh, I just think that um, if you can't believe in yourself, find people that will believe in you on behalf of you because imposter syndrome is real, you know. I went and presented to a room of 800 people two weeks ago and I used to be terrified of public speaking, like I mean, getting out of speeches in school, just the whole thing. And I can just remember standing there and sort of not 100% knowing if I believed that I could do what I was about to do, but knowing that everybody in the room had put me there because they did. And that was enough for me. So find people who are in your corner. um, And those are your people stick with them. Yeah, amazing. Great. Great piece of advice to end on. Um, thank you so much for joining me on my sales tech sales chat. And um, it was so great to, to, you know, understand or I guess really share with others about your journey into the industry. Um, I'll pop your LinkedIn uh, on the notes as well. So if people want to reach out and connect with you, then they, then they can do as well. Um, you're doing great things in the industry. And I'm so glad that we connected all those years ago. Um, but thank, thank you so you. much. And I look forward to seeing you at Christmas. Such a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
Thank you for tuning into the Sell Like You podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and be sure to subscribe to never miss another one. A huge thank you to Vitality House for hosting today's recording. And I look forward to being back into your ears soon.